I want to preach tonight around keeping the bonds of unity. If, if this, this is a preach that I'm, I'm going to sort of tailor make for yourselves, which I've already launched into our context, and I feel this will be helpful for you tonight. So if we can put up John 17, verses 21 to 23. Okay. Right, it says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Can you say one? I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Let's say unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And so keeping the bonds of unity, one of the big things is that Jesus' desire that when we become Christ followers, when we become Christians, meaning you've given your life to Jesus, as you tot bekering kom, dit is nou waar jy by a punt kom, waar jy verstaan, jou lewe is nie meer jou eie your life is not your own, you are now consecrated to Jesus. Can you see I'm anointed because I'm speaking fluent Afrikaans, eh? Okay? All right. And so, so what happens is, his desire is that we would become one and that we would become a united people who will display the character and the nature of God. When we talk about unity, uh, what does that mean to be united? It speaks of when two things are so closely linked or attached that they, they act as though they are a single unit. They are united. Now I'm going to ask you as a congregation, Dimble, DC, you're not allowed to ask, answer this one, but I want to ask you guys, do you remember when we were last united as a nation? What event was there that united us as a nation? World Cup rugby. There we go. Not difficult for Dimble and Brackenfeld because we like Bryflace, we like rugby, and we, we, we love this kind of stuff. But it's very true. If you look at it, we were a nation that was totally disjointed. And what happened? The rugby got everybody's interest. What did people do? They wore green and gold. People were partying together, having bras, dinners, you name it. They were doing all of these things together and really just having a whale of a time. And then when the final happened and we won the final, which I often use as a story to share, because if you want to have babies, let South Africa win the World Cup rugby. Myself and my wife had a bet she lost, we had to have a baby. <laughs> But the thing that stood out, people were passionate. They ate rugby. They spoke rugby. They dreamt rugby. They positioned themselves to go and watch South Africa play. Do you guys remember that? And so when people looked at us as a nation, they said, yo, these people, they are united and they're standing together. In the same way, this is the heart of God, that we as the church will learn to stand together and be united that we are a people that are passionate about God. We are a people that are passionate about His love. We are a people that are passionate about His power. And we are excited about the body. We are excited about being part of the local church. And we are excited about what God is doing in our midst, celebrating with people that have been waiting for six years for a baby to come along. These are moments, let's never as a congregation go, oh, well, what were we expecting? You know, I often talk with those that play test cricket. Have you ever seen a guy, when he gets his first wicket, everybody is like gung-ho. But when he gets to wicket number 50, he's like, well, what were you expecting? I was going to do this anyway. Never lose the zeal and the fervor of the movement of God in our midst. 
It's important, and that's what people are looking for. And, and we, we have a passion to witness for, for the king. This is what people will see. They will see a people that, that are wanting and willing to come together. They will see it, they will experience it, and they will say they'll want to be a part of it. Tonight, I think of Tim Crossier. I remember years ago, his evidence of how God moved kindly in his life, new beginnings. Lolly also uh, suddenly pitched up because what happened was he gave his life to the Lord. And one of the things I'll never forget that he said when he sat with me having the breakfast, he said, I've seen my wife and I've seen my kids change. He said, what has happened with you guys? What you've got, I want. That's what people see. And the most amazing thing was I phoned Penny. He came, she came over to our place, led him to the Lord. He's still on a journey. But the most amazing thing, I think, was two or three days later, he came back from a golf game and she gave him a baby grow. Spiritually saying, new beginnings. It's a powerful thing. And you see, that's what people are looking at. Trust me, as Christ followers, people are seeing how passionate we are about the things of God and the importance of our hanging together. So with unity, it brings security. It brings stability and it brings growth. And this is what God promises us. So let's have a look at it. If you read Psalm 133, if you could put that up for us, please. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. And maybe that version's better up there. How good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in unity? It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And you've heard many people say that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And David is speaking and, he, and, he, and he's saying, and he's advocating that unity is pleasant and it is precious. It's something that we should be fighting for, unfortunately. Can you say unfortunately? That's right, say it like the, oh, unfortunately. The church does not always display this well. And I think this is something that God is wanting to stir up within us. People can have disagreements. And you're going, what? In the church? Yes, absolutely, in the church. There can be divisions. And what happens is we end up having battles and arguments over things that actually are not that important. And so, why is this unity important? A good question, Brackenfell, and I love it that you're asking. It shows a positive example to the world and draws others in. It also helps us to cooperate with God and other believers, giving us a foretaste of heaven. You know, you know what? When we get to heaven one day, we're not going to be pushing on our own agendas. We're going to be worshipping God. And that's why often when you hear the songs being repeated over and over and over, some people say, why do we keep singing it over and over? Is there something wrong with us? Because that's what we're going to be doing all day. Singing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're going to love him over and over and over. We're practicing this side. So let's get together and let's do this together because we're going to do it together there forever. And we're going to enjoy doing it on that side. And the other thing is it revitalizes and renews ministry, the unity does. Because when there's unity, there's less tension and it doesn't sap so much energy from us. How many of us know that when there's a lack of unity, we get worn out, we get tired, we get burnt out, and, and some of us can fall away on account of that. 
So we want to avoid that. And I think that is part of the encouragement for you tonight. We want to keep that unity. And I've seen this over the years. I've seen many people that have had their own agendas. They've come, they've, they've caused hurt, um, they've pushed their, their own thing, they've caused divisions, and sadly, not only them, but many others have fallen away on account of that. And so I want to encourage folk here. There are a lot of new folk that are coming into this work. And you might come from another work. And you might be brand new in this. But one of the encouragements I'd like to give you tonight, and I think it's helpful for us, is embrace the new. Let go of the old. Don't have the mindset, well, we used to do it like this. Or we used to do it like that. Drop that thing and come in and embrace the story. Get behind your leaders. See what God is doing in and through them and what he wants to do with the congregation and move with them. It will make it a joy not only for them but for you as well as you help them push into all that God has. And so I've often also said to guys, you know, we've had folk that have left the country and have um, gone to places like Australia, New Zealand and the UK. And it's very interesting. Often the folk will say, oh, but we're going to take our Springbok jersey and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I would actually say to them, you know, if I was in your shoes, the encouragement I would give you is leave that stuff. When you get there, embrace the new. Buy an All Blacks jersey. Buy an Australian jersey. And you know what? If you want to win favor with the people, embrace their culture. Embrace what they are doing there. Because if you're putting yourself there, you embrace what God is wanting you to do there. In the same way, you come and you embrace what God is doing here so that we can all run in the same direction. So, we're flying at 30,000 feet now and we're going to eventually start descending. I hope you guys are doing okay. You have a role to play in the unity of the church. Ephesians 4.3, they haven't got that at the back. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Where there are two visions, there is division. All right? And as a lead guy, and Roland as a lead guy, and, and, and the elders, what we are doing is we are running hard after Andrew Selly and that which God has called him to do. And they've been running now for 24 years, and our heart is to get behind him and to serve him, and the encouragement is at the same way that you would do the same and get behind your leaders and serve. And I want to encourage folk here, again, drop some of your ministries that you think that you might have. And I'm going to explain to you why I'm saying this, because sometimes what happens is we come into the work, but I've got this ministry, I do this and I do that, etc. I want to say to you, yes, maybe there was a season that God used you with that. You might have to put that on hold to get behind your leaders as God takes you forward. And listen to what Habakkuk 2.3 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and I will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So all that means for you is if you have a particular ministry, it might not be right for now. But God might bring it in at a later stage so that it will enhance the work that God has called you to do here. But at the meantime, get behind the leaders and serve them faithfully. Lay that thing down. If it's of God, He will raise it at the right time. So you need to know that if you keep fighting to do your own thing and going on your own way, you will cause hurt, you will cause division, and you slow the work down. All right. So you are here. Say, I'm here. You need to know you are chosen by God. This is not a, this is not a mistake. This is an appointment with God for you. 
And I want to encourage you, make sure that your life counts and that you are submitted and ensuring that we achieve what God has called us to do here in Brackenfeld. Remember, we're part of a cog, we're part of a bigger wheel that God is slotting us into. And, and those cogs need to work together. And one thing you need to know is that as you give yourself to this, the Holy Spirit will never cause you to go against what God is asking of you in this story. He'll never cause you to violate the Word of God. He'll never cause you to go against your leaders. He'll cause you to be moved into truth, and He causes you to get behind those that are leading you so that the purposes of God at the end of the day will prevail. And so, I want to encourage you, fight for this unity. Protect it. And um, we need to uphold everything that we see in Scripture as we walk out this journey. I need to encourage you, there should be no compromise in this area in holding the unity. I'm going to tell you that if people who live like this, they make it a joy for their leaders. Can you say a joy for my leaders? You know what? Roland and Patty don't get up every day with their elders to make your lives difficult. They actually love you guys. And, and they are trying to take you into the inheritance that God has actually destined and called for each one of you. And so make it a joy for them. And if you make it a joy for them, you're making it a joy for yourself. And I need to tell you, I'm making this comment, not because they've said anything, but it's something that I do believe that we just need to be reminded that when we don't get behind our leaders, we make the task a lot harder for them. In this journey, you need to know, you might not always be in agreement. All right, but I do want to encourage this. Let's focus more on the majors and less on the minors. You've got issues, go and speak to your leaders, go and deal with the stuff, but don't let it be something that will cause you to trip up and to stumble and fall away from the things of God. I'm going to land with some practicals to keep the unity. And I've got nine quick points that I'm going to touch on here. And uh, I hope this will be helpful for you, Brackenfell. Point number one, a house divided cannot stand. In Mark 3, verses 23 to 26, I'll read it for you. It says, So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables, which means stories. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. That scripture was pertaining to the fact that people were saying that Jesus was actually being empowered by Satan. And he was coming and he was saying, no, there's no ways. He said, I'm actually against Satan. We're on two total opposite ends of the poles. And so what is important here is that we remind ourselves we are here for the purposes of God. We are here to serve the purposes of God. And we are not going to give ourselves to the things of Satan. We're giving ourselves to the things of the Lord. We need to make sure that we're not divided. Point number two, our outward expression of unity will express our inward unity of purpose. And I want to ask if we can put Mark 12, verses 28 to 32 up, and this is very powerful. This says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. This is, th there is no commandment greater than these. And the point is here, with unity, one of the things that we are going to kick this ball downfield all the time, the church needs to be united in its love for the Lord. This is so important because out of that place it flows in our love for one another. And this is something that should be demonstrated in the local church. And um, it's something that needs to rule our thoughts, our decisions, and our actions. Lord, what I'm doing, is it honoring you? Does it bring you glory? Does it bring you praise? And at the same time, Lord, I need to make sure that the way that I walk, reflecting your nature and your character, would be going out this way. Thirdly, recognize that each person here is a gift. I want you to look around the room. Just have a look at the folk. You know, what often happens is we, we look at people, hey, how's it? Good to see you. But, but that's it. Look at the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. Just have a good look at the people around you. Do you know that they are a gift? They're a gift. There should be no comparison here. There should be no competition here. Because each one of you is unique. And God has put you here for a reason. I had to learn that lesson in a leadership training time at Durbanville AIM, which is now here. The Lord had to deal with me one, one, one morning in a meeting and saying, Ants, every person sitting here is a gift. Don't get too ahead of yourself. Very humbling when God speaks to you like that. Recognize the people here are a gift to you. Fourthly, speak well of each other. Avoid gossip and slander. This damages your testimony and, and it causes a lot of hurt. And I think even with the word that came out this evening, there might be chambers in our hearts where we have resentment and bitterness. I, I, I had a sense there's unforgiveness. I want to say to you, the Bible's very strong in that area of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in Matthew 6, that it says, if you do not forgive someone else, your Father will not forgive you. It's weighty. If we're going to walk together and we're going to walk in unity, deal with your stuff. Get over it. Deal with it. Don't give Satan a foothold because through that he will divide us. But encourage one another. Be positive about each other. Build others up. Uh, prefer one another. Trust each other. Refuse to be offended and refuse to hold a grudge and refuse to take revenge. Is this making sense for you guys? God is busy with something here. These are basics, but the problem is it's often we forget the basics. And then I said protect each other, and that's point number six, and I'll reiterate that. Protect each other. In Nehemiah 4, verses 16, if we can get that word up, please. This is an interesting story. It says, from that day on, half of, the, of, of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. And this was a time when Nehemiah was moved by God to go and build, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when they started doing that, the people in the town had a bit of an issue with this and actually started to come up against them and started to intimidate them and started to threaten them. And so what happened was um, Nehemiah sought the Lord in this story. And then what happened was he got the people together. And what they then did was they said, all right, we're going to split this group over here. You guys are going to stand watch. You've got your armor, your shields, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to protect us and defend us. This group over here, you're going to build. And you're going to work with the bricks and do the necessary. But what was interesting, whilst these guys were standing guard, this group used one hand to build, and in the other hand, they had their weapons. 
always ready for war. And the nice thing was, this group of people here could work well and, and get on with the job knowing that these people here had their back. And that's the beauty. When we have one another's backs and we stand together in this journey, then it's so much easier to walk this journey out. And maybe there's a call tonight that God is saying to you as a congregation, protect each other because you will make the work easier and lighter for yourselves going forward. And then number seven is friendship before function. And I want to encourage you with this. Build deep, meaningful friendships with the folk that are here. Don't go for surface value stuff. Get in, get deep. You know that God has possibly put your best friend here and you just haven't realized it. Because often we judge a book by its cover. God is actually wanting us to get to a space. We say, you know what, you're a gift. You're here for a reason. There must be a reason. Let me say to you, you don't get the privilege in God's family to choose your family. Your friends you can choose, but your family you can't. The people that are part of God's family is there because God has chosen them for you. And then my last two points. Give your time and money. Your time and money. Give your time, give yourself wholeheartedly to this work. Hide. Give faithfully into the elms. Be generous with your finances. And if we demonstrate this as a unified people, the gospel will advance. And then lastly, exalt Jesus together. Pray together. Worship together. Fast together. Do things together. Be of one heart, one mind, one purpose. Totally sold out for him. Because of what he has sold us, saved us from and through this, the gospel will advance and others will be one for Jesus. So Father, this evening, you know what's happening in this context. There was purpose for this word to come into this midst, Lord, and I want to ask, Lord, that you, you would move powerfully over us now. Maybe just where you're sitting right now, just to search your heart. The question that probably could be asked is, are you, are you walking in unity here? I want to tell you something. You can nod your head and say yes, but in your heart it's going in the opposite direction and saying no. The thing is the Lord sees everything. The Bible's very clear on that. Nothing is hidden from God. And, and this is a moment where, where the Lord is just wanting to bring you to a place, just to be real with yourself. Just to be real and, and say, you know what? I'm not walking in unity. There's, there's division in my heart. It could be with a husband or a wife. It could be with your children. But it could also be with the church. And I'm going to ask people this evening to do something really brave. Because I feel like we need to get people to respond to this. So we can break the stranglehold and the stronghold of Satan over many people's lives. Because he wants to set people free. And if you can identify with that and say, you know what, I need, to, I need to break this stuff because I want to walk in unity. Whatever that situation might be, I want to ask you this evening, will you stand? Make a declaration and say, I want to stand because I, I want to be set free from this thing and I want to run well in this journey. Thank you. You're not doing this for me. If nobody stood, I'm standing all the time because I realize... Our hearts are wicked and we can move very quickly. Father, 
Maybe there's still some sitting here, but those that are standing, well done. Thank you. Just where you are. You know your circumstances and your situation, but just where you are, I just want you to repent. Say, Lord, you know the very depths of my heart. Just where you are. Say, Lord, you know the very depths of my heart. Lord, you know where I'm out of sync. And tonight, Lord, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I repent, Lord, of my indifference. I repent, Lord, of not walking in unity. And you know what your situation is there. Lord, please, will you forgive me? Tonight, Lord, with my repentance, I want to run hard after you. I want to fall in line with you, Lord. Whether it's in the church, in my marriage, with my children, at the workplace, whatever it is, Lord, I want to fall in line with you. I want to keep the unity, Lord, because no matter what I give myself to, Lord, it impacts the body. And tonight, Lord, I want to be made right with you. Tonight, Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy. Thank you for, for your forgiveness. Tonight, Lord, will you help me run hard after you and to serve your purpose as well, Lord.